it's about the rise. And, and that's also what more people identify with, you know, most people don't identify with the podium top moment, but they do very much identify with elements of the struggle or the fight or the commitment to, you know, the upward journey or the jagged journey up the hill. Welcome to the Artist Becoming Podcast. Hey, Jess. Hey, Shelby, a five, six, seven, eight. Join us in weekly conversations with performing artists across stages, studios, rinks, fields, and screens. Every conversation, a chance to dive deep into the story of their becoming. All right, Shelby, let's get on into it. It's another Inside Out Small Chats Big Topics on the pod today, where together we discuss some tough topics that are circulating our industry, those ones that just don't usually get to be talked about. So we're going to share some personal insights, stories, have good giggles, all the things, all the feels, and muse about those nitty gritty challenging sides of the industry that we just don't usually get to sit with. So please, if you have a topic you'd like to hear us talk about, go ahead and DM us your thoughts at Artists Becoming on the IG or send us an email at artistbecoming at gmail.com and we will dive on into your topics. Um, But also, more importantly, please rate, review, subscribe, click that big ol' follow button and give us those five-star reviews we just... um, love your support and are so excited to be bringing you this podcast and can't do it without you guys helping us amplify our message. So share, 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 like it, do all the things y'all. And let's dive into the episode. Mm -hmm. Hey Jess. Hey Shelby. We're back friends. It's been a minute, but we are starting off the week with a small chat, big topic. And today we're going to be chatting about um, mental health at the Olympic level. Uh, it's been a super potent conversation these days, specifically thanks to the platform that this current Olympics gave to conversations around mental health in regards to athletes and how they chose differently to show up for themselves. Um, this year, I think it was just kind of unprecedented and it really struck me to the core. I don't know just how it kind of hit you, but I'm excited to chat about it today. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of I think what we what we feel is that there's just so many parallels, like why we feel it's such an important conversation is that so much of what we saw mirrored back to us at the Olympic level in is what we are experiencing from our performing arts community. And it's a conversation that's bubbling down under Marley. It hasn't really like it's just making its way to the top. And we saw very aspirational figures, you know, very vulnerable in their reality and owning their standards and owning their health in any way. And it was like, the fact that it was controversial and that people were upset, you know, there's a lot to it. So yeah, there's a lot to it. I think we've also just been chatting with so many Olympians, um, on our podcast. And I don't know about you, but whenever I, when I was dancing, I identified as an Olympic athlete. <laughs> I was like, with all due respect to those who truly make it to the Olympics. I was like, I, I think that most, you know, professional dancers, performers in general, you have to, you have to hold yourself accountable to that level of 
athleticism, of standards of performing under pressure. And, you know, ultimately um, we're high performers and you think, you know, you get to that Olympic level and you think, okay, these people are in the best shape of their lives. And that doesn't mean that they're in the best mental shape of their lives, or perhaps that they've even trained mentally, um, with, with as much dedication, um, or priority for their, for their mental health and well-being. And I mean, Olympics is like the highest pressure that it gets, you know? Um, and I think that looking at Simone Biles specifically, um, prior to that, Naomi Osaka, I mean, there were just so many moments where, as you said, athletes came forward, taking ownership for, where they were at and whether that was going against maybe what their coaches were recommending going against the Olympic committee, (laughs) which is like no small, no short order. I think that there's, there's a lot here. And, um, I think what it's inspired is this willingness, um, to, yeah, take ownership for where you're at and to realize that being in your peak physical shape is not enough. It does not a successful career make and um, just really paralleled so many of the conversations that we've been having with students, with professionals, um, with faculty members of major arts institutions that are admittedly saying, you know, this wasn't even a conversation when I was a professional or certainly not when I was a student. And now it is, it is a conversation. And so it's cool to just sit with the discomfort of it, to sit with the courage and the vulnerability of it and God bless you. And, (laughs) and just to provide some language, um, provide language around what that type of training looks and feels like. Yeah, I think a lot just came up for me while you were speaking. And I think that particularly when you said, you know, you, you viewed yourself as an Olympian, which it is when you are a professional ballerina, you're in a Broadway show eight times a week, you are performing at an Olympic level of excellence and striving to achieve that. But something that's been kind of interesting when we've spoken to athletes is the drive to win and what winning, um, what, so the word that's, that's coming up for me is sacrifice and what winning, what you're willing to sacrifice to win. And it's the same as a dancer. You're, you're winning the role. You're winning the audition. You're what you are seeking to win. We're not like just out here doing art for art's sake. That's not what it is at at that high of a level. You aren't operating from a place of pure creative flow. You are standing before someone who has to choose you. It's not so different from skating across the ice and then having to literally stand there and get the direct feedback of a number. And, and, um, I think that it's, it's about sacrifice and, how much are we willing to sacrifice to win? And what is the cost of that sacrifice? And at what point are your sacrifices no longer worth the cost of winning? And you know, like (laughs) that hits me deep because I think that when I was a dancer, I sacrificed a lot and willingly and, and, and heartfully. So, you know, and, and sometimes that means missing the weddings, missing the weekends, missing the precious moments with family. I mean, those things you miss, but then, and you're able to almost 
you're able to make those things valid because everybody else wants to support your dream too. And, and right. So you, you, you make those sacrifices, but then there are the sacrifices that are at a detriment to your well-being. And that's the way you're treating your body, the way you're speaking to yourself inside of your own mind. Um, those dark voices, you know, there's a lot, a lot of sacrifices that you reach a point and that's what we saw where it was like, I can't sacrifice my well, like I'm at a breaking point. And so many of our guests have spoken to that very moment where they realized they had reached their edge and it's hard to rise from going past the brink. And, um, and I'm just thinking about, and this is a very silly anecdote, but it's just, it's so silly that I think it's worth mentioning, which is that is just how much winning can, I'm on a bocce league and this is so hilarious. <laughs> I'm literally on a, I'm on a bocce ball league, Monday night, hey, game tonight, got to get mad in the game. And most of the people in the league are 60 plus. I'm in an old farting town. I love it, love it, love it. But I don't, I feel like it's been a while since I've been in any kind of competitive environment. And it seems like it wouldn't be competitive, but these people out here are cutthroat. And there was one game where we were kind of like coming up to the end and we were losing. And I saw some kind of ugly personalities and mannerisms come out of people and we lost. And the pain I felt, this is a botch. I have 0% riding on this. There's no money in the game. There's nothing in the game, but the feeling of losing was so uncomfortable. And I walked away and it was during Olympic times where I was watching these athletes lose and it was painful. And it put me back. What it did was it put me back into that moment, looking at the casting sheet and not getting the part Mm -hmm. or that those moments. And they're very painful. And unfortunately we often walk away from those moments and we criticize ourselves. And then we start to develop more unhealthy patterns to try to win the next time. And instead of proactive habits and patterns that protect us from ever reaching that kind of low again. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah, I love that you shared that. I love that you shared that. And I think that, you know, in our culture, we're, we're almost conditioned from a very young age to want to win, right? Like you play soccer as a little kid because you want to win the game, you know, and you're, you're, you become a part of a team and you recognize the importance of the responsibility that you have to show up, not just for yourself, but for your team. And, you know, you put that on an Olympic level and there is no higher pressure because your performance is inherently affecting everyone else on your team's opportunity to win. And, um, you know, it just makes me think about how, how healthy is that? you know, that that's just what we're conditioned from a very young age to want. Um, and I think that we, we talk a lot about reframing at Artists Becoming. And I think that there's so much power in this idea of reframing our idea of success, reframing our idea of defeat. Um, because if I, if, in the, if there was a world in which I found myself at the Olympics, it doesn't matter if I placed or any, like I made it, I want, I made it to the Olympics. And I'm sure to some degree, all the Olympians feel that way. But then it's like, there's a podium and now you've made it, but now there's three more steps that you can make to actually medal. 
you know, from this experience. And it makes me reflect on something that I did when I was dancing with the Royal Danish Ballet, I was asked to participate in the Eric Brune competition, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, rumor has it, it's like the Olympics of ballet and essentially three or four of the world's major ballet companies send, um, a male and female dancer, they perform a classical pas de deux and they perform a more contemporary piece. And it, it presents as a gala performance in Toronto, Canada, but essentially one, uh, one male wins and one female wins. And, um, I remember going into the training for it and I really wasn't a competition dancer growing up. I, I did do Grand Prix as an opportunity to train really hard for something and to be seen by, you know, um, different eyes, but I remember the feeling of when I was 12, uh, performing in Grand Prix and thinking, I don't enjoy performing for judgment. Like this does not feel good to me. And I love performing. That's what I loved about being a dancer was sharing my passion with an audience with no idea of how they might perceive it or receive it. But just, this is my passion. I get to do it on stage in front of people and share it with you. And as soon as the tables turned and I was doing it for a score, completely different energy, did not enjoy it. The pressure was so much more intense, you know, and you think of these Olympians and how many times they've nailed their routines in the backyard of their house, in, in all of the gyms, all the places where they train. And then all of a sudden it's for a score in front of the world's eyes while we're all sitting on our couches, you know, potentially judging them for, uh, backing down, backing out on specifically this year on behalf of their mental health, there was so much frustrating conversation. Um, even in my close circle around like letting your team down and wouldn't, you know, at that point, if you had the mental capacity to do something like that. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like that's not something you plan. Like you don't plan an anxiety attack. You know, that's not something you schedule into your calendar. Mental health afflictions (laughs) Are not Tuesday. Tuesday. I've got okay. my breakdown. The good old Thursday. I, plan. I do try to coordinate my mental breakdowns, like in alignment with my therapist visits. I try to sort of build up to the therapy yeah. session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I down like two or three days before enough okay. time to decide it. Yeah. You want to get your money's worth out of that sesh. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think there's, you know, it's not, um, it's one of those things that it's not, you, you can be proactive about your mental health, which is what we're trying to do and, and provide momentum around and provide practices and language and, um, an example for, yeah. I have a thought. So something that, cause I'm trying to relate it to dancers and performers and something that I'm, I'm relating in my mind is my favorite event to watch this year was the skateboarding. Okay. It was a new event. I loved it. I was living for it. I'm going to be a skater girl. Watch You're out. Skater. I mean, I can hardly ride a bike, so it's a terrible idea. Okay, Avril, Avril Lavigne. <laughs> Shout out to my girl, Avril. Um, but it was, it was the first time they'd done skateboarding at the Olympics, and I was jazzed about it. I was so into it. But... So you would enter, they would enter the bowl and they'd be skating, but fell. like if at any point they fell, their run was over. So the run was over. So it would be like, they would be cruising and grooving and flowing and boom, and then they would fall 
And every time they fell, I like my eyes would well up with tears because they knew they were done. Like they didn't have the chance to recover. Yeah. And I was thinking about the times I fell on stage and the really unfortunate thing about being on stage and falling is the orchestra does not stop playing. Everybody <laughs> keeps going. You're Shut a flower, you're down on the front, you're lying on the floor, the, the headpiece is crooked and you got to get up, you know? And, and I think that the mo- the real winning moment is that moment when you rise and you get back in, you get back in the game. Yeah. And unfortunately for most of us, we fall on stage and we walk away and we feel like the, the greatest failure, but I know it's <laughs> like sticky moments of falling, but yeah. I also know the feeling of falling and recovering and kind of like getting back up. And, and it was really painful to watch athletes not even have the chance to get back up. Yeah. And I was watching it with someone and we were like, that's why did they make that decision? Why can't they keep going? They're still 20 minutes on the clock, you know, 20 seconds. Like yeah. we want to see them rise, you know? And I just kind of thought about that for dancers. Like the real winning moment is the recovery. And that recovery is so moving. And as an audience member, it's, you know, you, we've all seen it. We've all seen someone fall and we've all seen them get back up. And to me, those are the most incredible, moving, profound, perf- some of the best performances I've seen because someone took a risk and they pushed themselves past their edge and then they recovered. And I think that that's a little bit of what the mental health game is, but you can't really recover quick enough if you don't have the internal system mentally built in to tap into. And that's the whole point of kind of supporting yourself outside of the high pressure moments. Because if you just try to add in that well-being kind of support at the highest pressure moment, you won't be able to access the strength of it quick enough, you know? Oh, that is so profound. What you just said, it's about the rise. It's about the rise and the rise looks different for everybody. Like it might be an actual getting up out of a busted fall on a stage in front of an audience, or it might be, you know, your career taking a completely different direction than you anticipated and you having to, you know, Phoenix your way into a new you or a new career path or a new company. Um, I think that that's such an important takeaway is that it's about the rise. And, and that's also what more people identify with, you know, most people yeah. don't identify with the podium top moment, but they do very much identify with elements of the struggle or the fight or the commitment to, you know, the upward journey or the jagged journey up the hill. And I think that that is, I mean, that's what we're all here for. And one of my favorite elements of the Olympics is hearing like the underdog story, you know, yeah. Like the, the kid from some, you know, tiny little hometown that had like a beam in their backyard made out of like a tree trunk. And now here they are on a beam in, in Tokyo. And it's like, those types of stories are just kind of hit my heart in a different kind of a way. Um, and I know that so many artists in, in our circle, in my circle, um, it's, it's been a jagged ride up the hill for them, but that's that adds so much to the character and to the integrity of their art and their artistry. Like that's, that is the making of the je ne sais quoi that they bring into their performance or to their interpretation of a role. And that is also the, what stands out in a cattle call audition or, you know, uh, being, 
you know, perpetually in the ensemble or the corps de ballet, like that is an essence that, that builds your essence as a person, which translates to your essence as an artist. And I think that, I mean, that is just a lesson. I hope I continue to learn. Namaste. Namaste. That being said, I do crush that game tonight and I want to win. (laughs) You go get that. I'm going hard on the bocce court tonight. Go get that bocce. And then just a, just a, an honorific PSA. Thank you. And bowing down to the Olympic athletes and to athletes all over the world at any level in their career that are vulnerable and courageous enough to supplement their, their journey with attention towards their mental health, with dedication and commitment, um, to training that mind muscle, because that's, that's the good stuff in my humble opinion. Absolutely. And please go listen. We're putting this up, um, here on the IG, but go follow and subscribe to our podcast on Apple and Spotify and click that follow button. You'll get the new episodes every Monday, new episode drops and bonus small chat, big topics in the mix. Leave your thoughts, give us reviews, share, 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 send it to someone who could use that extra bit of support. Um, send it to your mother, send it to your father, send it, (laughs) send it to the group chat, put it on your dating profile. I don't care. (laughs) We love it. So yeah. Love it. Love you all. Have a great week. (laughs) Bye. Want to connect further with our community at Artists Becoming? Rate and review this podcast and subscribe to stay on top of our weekly guest artist conversations and our small chats, big topics. Check out www.artistbecoming.com to learn more about our monthly subscription membership filled with on-demand guided meditation and yummy yoga practices to support your unique journey as a performing artist. Follow along on Instagram at Artist Becoming for sneak peeks and inspiring content and DM us the dream artists, athletes, performers, psychologists that you'd love to hear from or topics you'd like for us to unpack. Sharing is caring, so fire up that group chat, share to your stories, comment, share, 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 and just stay connected with us. We are here for your becoming.